you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com Goals24. That's Chime.com Goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This Washington Post Live podcast is presented by AT&T Business, keeping your business connected today and building it for tomorrow with 5G on America's best network. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Linda McMahon joined the Washington Post to discuss her efforts to support President Trump's re-election and the state of small businesses across the country. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. This afternoon, I'm joined by Linda McMahon. She's a longtime business associate and trusted advisor of President Trump. She and her husband, Vince, ran and built World Wrestling Entertainment into a billion dollar business. She then headed the Small Business Administration under President Trump, and she left that position last year in order to head the Super PAC, America First Action. It's the largest PAC supporting the president in in his re-election campaign. So on this third day of the Republican National Convention, please join me in welcoming welcome, and welcoming Linda McMahon. Thank you for joining us, Linda. Thank you, Francis. Well, it's a great pleasure to have you. And you know the president probably as well as anybody else. When you're thinking about tomorrow night and his speech, what do you as an old time friend and longtime business associate think his most compelling message will be? Well, I think the president is gonna continue to talk about the things that he has done while he's been president. First of all, then I think he'll look forward, but he will talk about his successes in lowering taxes, rolling about regulations, uh, better trade deals, and unleashing the energy sector. Those have been his strong suits. He's created so many jobs. Unemployment was at an all-time low. African-Americans and Hispanics had the best unemployment record in history, and women, I think, had, had their best employment numbers going back 70 years. He's going to tout those accomplishments, and he should, because they are very, very worthwhile. He's been an absolute excellent president in keeping the promises that he made. I think going forward, you're going to look to hear him talk about more tax increases. I don't want to get ahead of him, but I think he's already released some of these things. He's going to be talking about more um, uh, tax reductions, especially for the middle class. Uh, And he really does want to bring more manufacturing jobs back to this country. And if he's uh, going to, he may incentivize large corporations to come back. We want our supply chain to be here. We want things to be made in America. We'd rather be exporters than importers of all of the things that we need for manufacturing. He wants to continue to create more jobs and have the United States be independent and not reliant upon countries like China and others for the very basic things that we need. And I think we saw during the COVID epidemic how important that is. So. I think he's going to be talking about all of those uh, those forward-looking things to continue to get back to, if you will, the robust economy that we had prior to COVID and even to do better with that. Well, yes, we have seen some jobs coming back, although millions remain unemployed, and also stocks have rebounded. But what does that mean for the, the men and women who work on Main Street, the working and middle-class people who are on our Main Streets across the country? Well, there are a lot of those people who have not been able to go back to their jobs simply because they're still closed. Some of those states still haven't reopened. 
Uh, some have tried reopening. Uh, COVID had a surge. They've had a partial shutdown again. So there, there just aren't those businesses, obviously, that have not been able to reopen 100% the way they were. I know just here in my hometown, and I, I live here in Greenwich, Connecticut, many of the restaurants have not reopened. Some are still closed. They have carry out. They have curb service, but they're not you know, fully open and functioning. Hair salons are really coming back, though. Uh, because we do have a lot of influx of people coming in from New York who'll come over to Greenwich and who are moving into Greenwich from New York. So some areas, some some cities are seeing that, but Main Street America and the Midwest, where they haven't been hit as hard um, so far, you know, they're still open and flourishing, but we have to watch out for the rural areas as well. But there's still a lot of people whose businesses just haven't been able to reopen. Even even those who had some help from PPP, who kept employees on board for a good while now that ended at the end of uh, July. So they're in a little bit of a flux again. So there still are people that are out of work, but I think what we've seen, oh my goodness, look at what, how many jobs have been created in the last three months. I mean, July, 1.8 million. And over the last three months, over 9 million jobs. Uh, and you know, if you reflect on history a little bit and look back to the great recession, it took four years to create 9 million jobs after that. And we've done it. The, this administration, President Trump has done that in the last three months. So I think you are seeing that economic rebound. Uh, and we're going to get back pretty quickly, I think, to, to our full employment numbers. And um, But everybody just has to keep working at it. Yeah, so the Census Bureau has um, released information suggesting that small business owners think the recovery is going to be slower. Um, that many will not be able to come back at all and others will remain uh, in the slow process of recovery way into next year. What should the president be doing now to reassure those people and to counter that? Well, I think what he is doing is asking for Congress to come back and, and pass that next stimulus round. Uh, I mean, he did uh, sign his executive order and, and um, to get you know, unemployment back into the hands of those that were, were still out of work, about $300. Uh, on top of you know their their weekly supplement from the states, I think 30 states have come in on board with that. Uh, he's hoping for more that will come in, so that is helpful uh, for those people who are still unemployed. But you'll have, you know, restaurant owners who took PPP and they're trying to get their employees back and to keep them on board. But yet, if they can't have their customers come in, after a while, it just it just doesn't make any sense because they still have to pay all of their rent, they have to do all of the things that they normally would have to do. And so the, the, the stimulus hasn't been sufficient. So the president really would like to pass another stimulus package. I don't know all the details of that, but he clearly thinks that's important. He thinks that's the work of Congress and would like them to come back and pass that next stimulus package because it is so important to keep this economy growing. So um, America First just announced this massive ad buy, 18.6 million, I think, targeted at um, some of this, the battleground states, North Carolina, Florida, among them. Um, and it's critical of Biden's plans, Wisconsin included, yes, it's critical of Biden's plans um, and tries to put the emphasis on the economy rather than the pandemic. Do you truly believe the economy can recover unless we, or before we conquer the pandemic, conquer the coronavirus? I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think what we have seen is, and what the president did at first, he shut everything down. He had to. We didn't know what this virus was. It came on, it was rapidly spreading, people were dying. So it was just a total shutdown for I think approximately two months. 
And then when we started learning more about it, we started seeing some therapeutic treatments, not many so much at first, but understanding that wearing masks and social distancing were being effective. And so now this slow reopening of you know, our businesses, of more of our main streets, uh, have really shown that they can be effective and that we don't have to totally shut down everything. I think the next hurdle is going to be schools to see how our schools are going to reopen throughout many different states. Some have all online, some have partial online, uh, partial in-person, some have split, um, uh, you know, split classes during the day. Some students come in the first half, some come in the second half, and that's pretty much up to the states. But, you know, we really have to get our kids back in school. One of the ways that the economy is impacted is that many women had to leave the workforce because they needed to be at home to help with homeschooling or the fact now that their kids weren't in school, so they had to give care to their children. And what we have found that is when women leave the workforce, the longer they're out of the workforce, the harder it is for them to come back in. So we clearly want to make it uh, able for women to return to the workforce as well. So. I think that, yes, we need to get COVID under control. And I think the president, boy, through his warp speed program for vaccine development, uh, which, you know, includes uh, different kinds of vaccines, you know, the antibody vaccine, the other kinds of vaccines, and I'm not a medical expert, I really can't speak, you know, to those as well, but also uh, as, as we look at therapeutic remedies, you know, remdesivir. Uh, and I know there's been some controversy about um, you know, some, a couple of the other drugs, but they have proved effective in some ways when used early. And um, so I think there are many ways to attack uh, this pandemic, and I think we're doing it really well in the United States. And so that is going to help get more and more control over COVID, more wide openings, um, and our hospitals now are not at maximum capacities, and that's what we needed to do. We needed to make sure, first and foremost, that our medical facilities were not overrun. They are not now, they have capacity and they have the PPE equipment that they need. So all of these things combined, getting control over COVID, reopening safely uh, with you know, the, the scientific data involved uh, is the way we're gonna bring the country back. And we're seeing that it's working. Well, let's talk a little bit about a part of the country where uh, um, Joe Biden may have a more appeal than um, Hillary Clinton did in 2016, and that's the Rust Belt. Um, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer said, thanked uh, Biden for rescuing the auto industry there. What should Trump be doing in those parts of the country to persuade voters that, they, that a Trump administration, another Trump administration is the way to go for them? Well, I think the president's doing that. Uh, I mean, clearly, well, first of all, let's look at a little bit of law and order with the unions for you know, the, the police departments that are so much backing the president. And we have so much that's going on in our country now. I mean. I honestly think the Democratic Party has to be careful uh, as because right now it's being looked at more as the lockdown party and, and, and the anarchist party, if you will. Because look what is going on in so many of these big cities across the country. And it's just continuing and continuing and the governors and the mayors aren't really doing anything about it. Even at the Democratic convention, he didn't even mention, didn't have one word about what's going on in these big cities. Now, when you so, look at the police or the first responders or the workers and the small businesses who are out of, you know, they might've just rebuilt from COVID and now their businesses is burned and it, uh, or they destroyed and they can't go back. I mean, these are all things that I think are not uh, being um, 
well received relative to those would-be supporters for Biden. But tell me from your experience as SBA administrator, what did you see Trump do specifically in these Rust Belt states to help workers? Well, as the SBA administrator, I mean, I toured, I actually went to all 50 states. I went to every 68, all 68 district offices throughout the country. And the main thing with small businesses was tax reduction um, and regulatory rollback. Those two things help more for small businesses to grow, uh, to spend their money within their businesses, to hire new, new people, to have more innovation in what they were doing. And I was told throughout the country that the, that tax relief meant so much to them uh, that they were able to reinvest and to hire more in their businesses. So you referred at the beginning of our discussion to raising taxes and lowering taxes. On your website, you're very critical of Joe Biden for proposed raises in taxes. Now, those taxes could cover things like um, cheaper or free health care for people, um, college tuition relief, those sorts of things. What, should, what is Trump proposing to do to help people who, who have been burdened by debts in those areas if he's not going to raise taxes? Well, a robust economy creates a lot of money to pay for. Uh, you know, to repayment of loans, to give people jobs. I, I do think that he wants to, he has provided some relief by postponing, you know, college payments. Uh, so I think that the president is really looking at all of those areas so that uh, the that economic recovery will continue to be strong. The other issue you raised at the beginning is one I wanted to ask you about is China, of course, bringing jobs back from China. Again, your website is very critical of Biden, saying he helped bring uh, China into the World Trade Organization at the cost of American jobs. But tell me about Trump. How should he move forward in relationships with China? Do you want him to play hardball or do you think a softer approach is appropriate at this moment? I think the president has the best sense of how to deal with China, and he's clearly been successful in what he's done before. You know, the first round of the trade agreements, uh, they, they are, uh, according to the latest information I've heard, they are complying with that first round. They are buying uh, billions of dollars worth of crops from our farmers, which was really a significant part of the trade agreement. I think as we move forward, we want to look at more IP protection. And that is very important to small and large businesses is to have the products that they are inventing and the processes of being created, the innovation that they're showing that they are protecting. And I think that's something the president will continue to want to solidify with these negotiations. I think the president has shown that he's incredibly angry at the fact that China actually released uh, this pandemic on the world, not just the United States, but over 180 countries. And I think he's been very clear about how angry he is about that and how it did not have to happen. Thank goodness he did close the borders to China and then to Europe and to save you know, millions of lives at the beginning of the pandemic. But I think the president will have the right approach for China. He has shown that he, he has, I think, his finger on that pulse and he'll change. There are some things that he will be more agreeable about and there's some th things that he'll take a very hard line with. I mean, Secretary, um, I mean, um, a negotiator, um, Lighthizer, and has just been tremendous in the, his negotiating, um, you know, with with China, and that will continue as well. So another area that you're highly critical of Biden on on your website is um, what you say his sacrifice of jobs in order to advance, I think you called an extreme environmentalist agenda. Um, do you see a prospects for increasing green jobs, green energy jobs? 
you know, from from under a Trump administration, would you? Yeah, I'm sorry. Under a Trump administration, would you advocate? Biden, would you advocate increased numbers of green energy jobs, or or not at all? Well, I think where it makes sense, and I, I think the president clearly has has uh, not said he is against green jobs or against anything like that. But what he does realize is that fossil fuels are a critical part of right now the economy and the energy sector of not only the United States, but the world where we would export to. So he is a strong proponent of, of fossil fuels, and he knows that we can't just eliminate them. As we move forward for other uh, forms of energy, he would definitely support that. But he's not going to totally sacrifice all of the jobs in America and, and not being able to satisfy the needs of the rest of the world by simply moving to an all green agenda, as uh, certainly uh, Vice President Biden has indicated he wants to get to. I can't help but thinking as we talk about this of the wildfires blazing in California and the hurricane impending, uh, hit, about to hit the Texas and Louisiana coast, both climate related uh, disasters. Um, how do you evaluate the human and economic costs of disasters like that? Well, I can tell you, I do, I do think that we all as human beings and, and, and countries do contribute uh, you know, to, the, to, to the environment changing. And I do think the environment does change and we have to all be aware of that and do what, do what we can to make sure that we're protecting it on a global basis. I think the United States is, is certainly willing to do its part. But look, the carbon footprint in the United States has been reduced. And you know what? The private sector did it. Industry did it. They put their own regulations on it. And I think that's what we will continue to do and to see that it makes good business sense to reduce the amount of carbon you know, that may be released. And, and industry is going to continue to look at ways uh, you know, to control that carbon that's released and to bring it down and even to get it to a point where it might be zero carbon. And, and industry will do that because it does make sense and it's good business. So you, you, you see, foresee a future with a lower carbon footprint in this country, a smaller carbon footprint? Yes, as, as businesses continue to innovate on, on how to continue to create the energy that we need and continue to decrease that carbon footprint, they'll do it. So, so we're in this peculiar situation with a virtual convention and uh, your, your, the Trump campaign has struggled to attract big donors. Do you see this convention as a way of reigniting and energizing those big donors? And how do you propose to do well, so? Well, I don't know that I would say that the, uh, the Trump has not been able to uh, attract big donors. I don't know how you're defining that. I mean, we've had five, $10 million donors, uh, you know, in our July numbers, you know, were really good. There are a lot of donors that sit back and wait till the final months, and, and some of them don't come in until after Labor Day. And our donors are coming in now. And uh, in fact, you know, we're probably going to have an incredibly successful month in August. We did in July as well. And uh, so I'm, I'm pleased at where our donors, you know, are coming in. They're, they're stepping up to the plate and we're getting some good numbers. And how confident are you that this convention will galvanize those big donors? I think the I think the convention is really um, I think conventions Democrats and Republicans pretty much address the base though I do think there are swing voters that do watch so I think that as we continue to put our numbers out that we see uh, polling you know getting very very tight as a matter of fact in our own in our own polling we we have the president up in a couple of our states and we have a couple of races where they're tied so. We're definitely seeing our internal polling showing that this is a very, very tight race. 
And I'm very confident that on November 3rd, Donald Trump will be reelected as president of the United States. So we've talked about some of the struggles. Go ahead. Also a donor. So I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very convinced that he's going to be. We've talked a little bit about small business owners and, and their struggles. But tell me about corporate CEOs. Um, what do you do to convince people who run big big corporations that to that Trump is the right person to reelect? Well, I think you've seen um, that you know companies have come back, manufacturing has come back. There has been more onshoring, if you will, of jobs uh, under President Trump. And I also believe that as he looks at incentivizing other bigger companies to come back especially pharmaceutical companies, you know, to come to give them incentives to come back and to produce product here. I mean, uh, you know, he's come down hard on big pharma, big pharma. Uh, he has, you know, talked about uh, this favored nations clause in policy that he believes is right for the United States to bring costs down to be on par, you know, with the rest of the world that the United States citizens shouldn't have to pay more, you know, than the citizens of other countries. So, but the way that uh, pharmaceutical companies then can, can make up for that is to make their product here in the United States. And uh, let's all work together to make sure that we can bring down the costs of that manufacturing by making the regulatory environment, uh, the, the right regulatory environment you know, for production and for manufacturing and not overly regulate. And I still think there is room to go for our manufacturing processes so that we are not Overregulated. So as we move into this fall and winter season, and we potentially have a recurrence of uh, COVID and also flu and cold season, how optimistic are you about keeping small businesses like restaurants open? And a second part to that question, what's happening with, with WWE, with your own business? What precautions are you taking? Well, you know, I'm really not a spokesperson for WWE anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not an officer there. I'm not even on the board. I'm, I'm a shareholder. So I watch what WWE does, but uh, I'm really not a spokesperson for WWE. Um, but in terms of where businesses are going to be in the fall, I think it's just we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I am optimistic that businesses are going to continue to be able to reopen and to stay open because we will have more therapeutic drugs to treat coronavirus. I think it will last uh, and it will last uh a shorter period of time. It won't be um, as deadly as it's been. Our, our hospitals are prepared. The president, you know, really went to great lengths to make sure that we had ventilators that we are making now in this country and shipping to other countries. He wanted to make sure that we had all the PPE equipment. You know, when he when he took over from the um, Biden from the Obama Biden administration, I mean, you've heard him say that you know the. The, the cupboards were bare in terms of PPE equipment and ventilators. And it was almost really gearing up and starting and, and even using you know, the defense provisions to make sure that companies would step up to the plate and manufacture these. He didn't have to use it often, but he did some, and he didn't hesitate where he needed to to make sure that we could resupply you know, our stockpiles, to be able to ship to hospitals and to make sure we didn't get in that situation again. So. I think the therapeutic treatments and remedies, hopefully we're gonna have a vaccine in the fall. I mean, it's going to quote warp speed. Uh, FDA is really fast tracking things like, you know, the, the antibody uh, vaccines. I know that was walked back a little bit um, this week in terms of 
um, you know, its overall success. But I think there is there's real hope for that. And uh, as we look at ways to treat and control COVID, if we all continue to practice social distancing, wearing our masks uh, in areas where we can't social distance, we're going. We've learned a lot, and I think we're going to be better served in the fall, obviously, than we were when this pandemic hit, when nobody knew what it was and how to get a handle on it. So we've learned a I'd lot like now. I'd like to spend the next few minutes talking about um, a group of voters, women and suburban women in particular. Um, you've known President Trump for a long time. Um, what has he done to help a successful woman like you uh, model uh, a, a career as a woman for other women who are out there and ambitious women? Well, if you look, if you go back to small businesses, uh, you know, women create more small businesses. Uh, they, you know, sometimes it starts as a cottage industry or whatever. And so they start to grow these small businesses. They hire five, six, seven people. And I'm not just talking about the, some of the small business that you would think about uh, that we might stereotypically look at with women like hair salons and nail salons. I'm looking at tech companies and tech businesses that they'll start in their home and that they'll be able to, you know, to branch out and to hire new people. So when you had tax relief come in, when you had regulatory relief come in, when you had um, the SBA, which is on the ground with its 68 district offices, having women's business centers that women could go to and understand how to pitch their business, how to approach banks, how to get loans, all of these things under the Trump administration, I saw them firsthand. I met with many of the women in the business, uh, the they're called WBCs, Women Business Centers. And they were actively interacting with young entrepreneurs. You know, sometimes entrepreneurs can be geniuses in what they're creating or the business they're developing, but they really don't know how to write a business plan. And they don't so, know how to pitch, pitch their business to banks. So, um, you know, relieving banking regulations and freeing up money supply to uh, businesses that were starting, all good things that help grow the number of businesses and jobs. You know. Two out of three net new jobs are created by small businesses and half of our GDP in the country are, are really from small businesses. So it's incredibly important. Women are a huge part of that workforce. And, um, and that's one of the ways that women were incentivized uh, to so grow. Both at, the, both at the SBA and at the Super PAC, you meet women from all sorts of walks of life. Um, how do you persuade never Trumpers to consider voting for Trump? What's your line? Well, yeah, you have to continue to look at what he's accomplished. How did, how much better did the economy get? How many jobs were there created? Uh, and, you know, that's, it's not, believe me, as big a leap as it might have been at one time. And I constantly, hey, everybody doesn't like the president's personality. I think the first lady even indicated last night that you, you're never, um, <laughs> you, you always know what the president's thinking, even sometimes when you might not like it. And I think I always look at what has he delivered, look at substance over style sometimes. I've known him for a long, long time. And, and I wish actually that more people would get to know kind of the other side of Donald Trump, one that's not seen so much uh, in his well, public view. Talk to me. I mean, he's known for his epithets, many of them and nicknames, many of them directed about, against women, uh, Nervous Nancy, uh, Evita, we know them all. Um, do you think they hurt his prospects with, with suburban women in particular? I, maybe some. Uh, I, you know, there are a lot of people that don't like nicknames or uh, epithets, as you call them. But, um, you know, 
that's that's him. That's his personality. And I think you take some of that. You take some of the good with the bad. But I think that uh, it is clearly substance over style and what he's accomplished. No one, I don't think, can argue with where our economy was before COVID came in and the steps that have been taken in our country to, to really, uh, you know, to raise all of our living standards, you know, across the country. I mean, we saw wage growth at the lower 25% of income levels. We saw, um, as, I, as I mentioned before, uh, Hispanics and African-Americans having jobs at records that, well, beyond what was recorded in the record books and women back as far as 70 years. These are all accomplishments. We had a solid economy. People and were at a great optimistic level about uh, where the country and the economy and their business was going to be next year. We took a back step with COVID. We're regaining that ground and uh, we're regaining that economy uh, on, on the V-shape as we've talked about. And uh, we're, we're gonna see it come back strong. And one last question, I think. At the end of the day, how important to Trump's reelection is this group of suburban women in your view? Well, I think you know all voters are clearly um, necessary for him to get elected. I do think suburban women, and you know what suburban women, we have found a, a couple of things they're very concerned about. One is suburban women do not like the idea of socialism. They are very much against socialism. They, they believe in, in capitalism. They believe if you're working hard, you ought to, you ought to be able uh, to reap the benefits of your ward. And the other thing that suburban women do not like and become very concerned about um, is safety. Safety for their children, for their home, for their environment. And when they're looking at what's happening in many of these large cities around the country, they're very concerned about that. And we're seeing more and more of, uh, you know, some some shifting in attitudes. And when we shift attitudes, then we start to shift the, the poll and the ballot numbers. And we're seeing that start to happen. So you believe a law and order message could work for suburban women? I think it's part, part of the messaging that does work for suburban women, for sure. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Linda McMahon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, Visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.